Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon, everybody. Hi. Hello, everyone. Hey, How what's up, y'all? And don't do me, y'all. Y'all talking about some hey, El Teddy, and hey, really be who was probably late. Listen. Mm-hmm. Blame it on her, even though it was me this time. It was me this time. It is normally her. It is normally her. But today it was me. I got caught up at an appointment and child. Girl, like, and this is Tracy, Tracy doing us too. Lord, what's up, Cam's? Hey, boo. I know Cam's never come through with nothing. Hey, Cam's, my love. How are you, boo? So, um, before we get started, real quick, and before I forget, y'all, I did what you requested. Um, I did set up the playlist, so I divided the playlist into season one, season two, and we are now currently in season three. Um, oh because you know our topics are all over the place, so it was hard to try to put a playlist like based on topics. A playlist for what? For the channel, because y'all was I saying. I didn't even know we had seasons. Oh dear God! Well, that's how I. That's one. That's how I divided it up. Because... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on the channel. Hello. Right. Well, because um, I divided it up that way. Um, because like I said, it was hard to group them by topics. Because you know we just never know what we're going to talk about it's based on what's going on you know, current events wise. So it's season one, season two, and we are currently in season three, which started in January. Since we started our channel in January, I just did season one was 2020, season two was 2021, and now we're season three, 2022. Okay. <laughs> I don't have a problem. So yeah, so um, no, no, no. So because y'all was saying that way he can, you know, he could run through them. And watch, you know, let it play. So it makes it easy. We have some, no, we've had some great epic ones in yeah. the past. Like, we have had some really good ones. Like, and we can, you know, El Teddy, one day, me and you can always sit down and go through. And if we want to do like a 
you know, like a greatest a hit. Yeah, a best of. We can always do that because you're right. We've had because I mean, like we've definitely had some really, really good ones. Um, the gingerbread, the, the gender one, um, I want to highlight because a friend of mine actually asked me about it. So I'm definitely going to highlight that one. Um, the one we started talking about CRT before CRT was a thing. Yeah, like y'all need to when build a we had the uh Black History, uh, was it last year or was it 2020? I think it was 2020. We did a really good one on Black History. A we really did Black good Educators. on Black History. Uh, yeah. we did a really, really good educators. One. Um, so we've had some great ones. We've had some great ones. So, anyway, with that being said, we're going to jump into it. Um, how's your week been going, sir? It's been about maybe two weeks since we we we've, we've come together. Well, it's still early in the week, and it's a holiday oh, okay. day. Since, since the last time we were here, how about I that? Been, about you know me. You know me. I'm always kind of busy, you know. Exactly, Lauren. El Teddy be too focused on his snacks. He don't have time to break, worry about breakdowns and series and seasons. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Really? That's really, Lauren, that's what we're doing? So I, I, I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything. I just found out today. I was today old when I found out that we had seasons. So, and I'm on the show. Okay, well, you were there for all of it, so you be all right. What's up, Abs? Hey, boo. So, we have a few things to get into today. So, let's go ahead and get into the getting into the mail. My email. I did check your email. Oh, I forwarded it. Oh. You see it? Uh, I'm looking. I'm all right. So, I figured today we should start with maybe an update to. A story that we um what y'all know we break news over here. We break news over here. Y'all come over here to get cutting edge breaking news. We have the news before it gets to be news. So really be found an update to that story. So that we, we, we we brought you guys the great news that student loan they had won this great, you know, this big lawsuit and that you know l everybody was their student loans but we were very clear to caution you all in that moment that it was very specific loans for specific schools and we even gave you guys the information where you could call your local um they said to call the local district attorney in your area um to find out if your student loans were a part of this lawsuit and what you could be entitled to as far as forgiveness and what the process was we also found out and we shared with you guys that um, um, you would be contacted if you also, you should be contacted, I should say, not would be, but you should also be contacted if you are also on that list. So here is an update to that story. This is February the 18th. This is coming from the New York Times. So I want to read through this to you guys. And as always, the links to our articles are in the description box. So you can always go back. Um, and I'll tell you, if you can, I don't know if you, well, no, don't, don't worry about it. I'll put the link in when I get a second. I'll put the link in. Um, after years of struggling to make payments that hardly put a dent in their loans, she took out um, to attend a now defunct art school's Victoria Linson saw a glimmer of hope. A deal last month between 39 states and Navient, a student lending giant accused of unfairly ensnarling borrowers like her, will wipe away $1.7 billion in private student loans. Then she read the fine print. People like her who made their payments on time were disqualified from the relief. Even though prosecutors said Navian had made predatory loans to hundreds of thousands of borrowers, it knew it could not afford them. The settlement covered only about 66,000 who were in default. Those who managed to make payments on their deceptive high interest debt 
mostly to attend for-profit schools that left them with worthless degrees would just have to keep paying. Um, it goes on, she goes on to talk about, you know, why she's so upset about it. So I'm gonna read just a little bit more and then we can just kind of talk about it. Starting in the early 2000s, Navient and the schools it worked with used the private loans to fill gaps for students who relied on government back loans from Navient to pay the bulk of their tuition. Even if the private loans were not repaid, the federal, the federally guaranteed loans were bulletproof revenue for Navient. And the more borrowers it attracted, the more money it made. Navient began to wind down the tactic only after it and other lenders were engulfed in a series of scandals over their practices. The strategy largely ended after the federal government started lending directly to students in 2010. Both Navient and the states have called the settlements a win. Navient did not acknowledge wrongdoing and avoided lengthy court battles while the prosecutors trumpeted a $1.7 billion in forgiven debt. But Navient never expected to be repaid much of the money. The true value of the debt it forgave, the company told its investors was just $50 million. And Navient did not have the co to compensate borrowers who stayed current on their payments. They would have to keep paying Navient, often for a decade or more, for private loans the state officials should never have made. Um, if the borrower can, cre can create condensation on a mirror, they need to get a loan this year. Thomas Philpatrick, Navient's former CEO, said in a 2007 meeting, according to court filings. Although Navient made hundreds of thousands of private loans as part of its strategy, it's not clear how many borrowers are still repaying the lender. Some have paid off or refinanced their loans, and Navient declined to say how many loans it still holds from that period. Um, it then goes on to talk to more people about their experiences with Navient. Um, and honestly... I spoke about this when we talked about this. Remember, I told y'all my story, okay? I told you that, you know, my personal story is that as long as I was current with my student loans, nobody wanted to help me. I kept calling them and telling them I can't afford this. This is too much money. You want me to pay too much per month. And as long as I was somewhat current or somewhat current, because I ain't going to say I was always current, current, but... They would offer me, oh, well, we can defer your payment. Oh, well, we can give you, you know, um, we can do this and we can do that. But they never wanted to address the issue of lowering the monthly payment. It was never that I didn't want to pay the loan, but you're asking me to pay damn near my mortgage every month. And I just, I couldn't afford it. It wasn't until I almost went into um, the, 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 what's that thing? Default. I almost went into default and then all of a sudden everybody was like, oh, wait a minute, we've got this to help you. Oh, we can do this to help you. So I, this is, this is what my experience was with my student loans was I had to almost go into default before they had anything to help me. But as long as I was somewhat current, what I mean by somewhat, I mean within like a 30, 60 day window of being current, nobody had anything for me. So, I mean, El Teddy. Let's let me just cut to the chase. America fails all the way around when it comes to this thing called education. Be it K through twelve, we're failing. Be it um, secondary education, post secondary, it fails. And when we are um, stacked against other first world countries, we. We're, we're way lagging behind. 
And and the point, the reason that I bring that up is, is that in most first world countries, they will go ahead and have huge, if not all, chunks of education that is supplemented by the government. That is, if you qualify or if you fall within this sector and so forth, no questions asked, they will forgive, you know, whatever loans that they, because you are adding to, you know, um, to that government, to that nation, to that, um, you know, particular space. And the thing about it is the fact that you have all of these people that go to school and when they complete college, they pour their um, life, blood, energy, efforts and resources into industries and fields that directly affect how we function as a nation and there's nothing that this nation can do for those people that's disrespectful that's 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 disrespectful and so and then when you see that you have these predatory companies we just now in 2022 because let's be clear it's not a newsflash that there were these predatory lending um institutions going back decades and decades ago and they were okay with it because they got they got their kickbacks because their cronies and all their little buddies were on the boards of these um particular institutions that were you know getting profits and so now it's like okay you're gonna do a little something but that little something that you're doing is not even really helping or putting a dent in the prop in the um problem and so it's just smoke and mirrors. It's a good sound bite. It sounds good when they're on the campaign trail pouting that they did this, but they really didn't do anything. God. So we just wanted to bring you guys that update because, again, that's the headline. But whatever. Um, we might as well just stick with that story. Um, we have another little information, a little ditty about student loans, and then we'll move on to uh, the next situation. This is coming from CNBC. This is dated February the 15th. Education department suspend, suspends seizure of tax refunds, Social Security for overdue student loans until November. So U.S. Department of Education has suspended the seizure of tax refunds um, and other government payments to satisfy defaulted student loans until November. About 9 million people have a federal student loan in default, which means they've fallen at least 270 days behind on payments. The Education Department, as well as other federal and state agencies, can collect on delinquent debt via the Treasury Offset Program, which intercepts certain payments to recover the old funds. Borrowers have gotten a reprieve during COVID due to federal pause on student loan interest and collection, but that policy ends May the 1st fueling concern among consumer advocates that the government would seize tax refunds issued after that date, including benefits like the earned income, child and recovery rebate, tax credits aimed at low-income households. However, the Department of Education will not restart collection via the Treasury Offset Program for six months after COVID. Okay, hold on. Sorry, I popped up. Um, after the COVID payment pause. That will be after November the 1st if the pause isn't extended again. Um, so, again, if, if you are behind and you know that you are in default and this was a concern, 
You have until November. Here's my problem. My problem is that y'all can go years at a time saying, oh, don't worry about paying us. Oh, we're not going to collect, which means that y'all can just forgive all of that and yes. it would not hurt anything. The economy is doing great, according to experts. Jobs are on the rise. We are having no problems. And yet you ain't collected no money from, you know, student loans, which which leads me to believe that at any point you could just say, nah, we're good on this. Y'all good. Listen, I told you. I said I, the same I'm not thing. Even say do it for everybody, but I feel like if whoever got a student loan, I said this before in this um, program, if you earned the degree with which you were seeking, meaning you were going for a four-year degree, undergrad, grad, whatnot, and you earned, you got the paper, it says degree conferred on XXX date, you, why don't you just tell those people, y'all know what? We good over here. Y'all all right. Because guess what? Those schools already got the money. Ain't like the schools over here begging for money because the schools got the money up front <laughs> from whatever financial institution or the federal government. That money is already gotten. So the right. schools ain't around here looking for it. And the, and the Fed are not hurting for it. Cam, there's the article, babe. Um, It was your social security tax refund um, and it was something else in the article, but there's the article right there, Cam. But yeah, I mean, I said the same thing. Like it's been two years since since you've required anybody to make a payment. So if you can afford for people to not make a student loan payment for two years, you just don't need the money. Like you really, you don't need it. And I agree. Like there should still be some sort of you know criteria for it. But if you if you are working in a field that is contributing to the area in which you got a degree in, yeah, I think there should be, again, a process you apply. But the problem is they have these programs in place, but they make, and I told y'all this before, they make the criteria so hard that it's almost impossible. Not absolutely impossible, because I know some people who've done it, but they make it almost impossible to be able to get any sort of break. Um even a couple of the programs that I did find out that I qualify for, like we're talking about, oh, I'll get a $5,000 credit. Now, don't get me wrong. $5,000 is better than nothing. But $5,000 ain't putting a dent in what I owe. It just... It... Anyway. Well, that's that, you guys. We're going to move on from there. Um, El Teddy, what direction do you want to go in? Do you want to talk about Puerto Rico? Do you want to talk about San Francisco? I think this San Francisco sugar spike out the way, because I, I, that's going to be my spike story. I already know. I'm, I'm going to probably spike now We out. have two articles for San Francisco. I'll I'll pull the um, CNN one. We have one from CNN, and we have one from the New York Times. So I think CNN is the most... Let me check. Let me check which one is the most current. CNN is from February the 16th, and the New York Times is from... February New York Times when you know how New York Times they website they like to shut you out. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what they just did. So we're gonna go with CNN because it, it already put a big old ad on there. So oh, all right, bastards. right, bastards. <laughs> all right. So three San Francisco school board members were removed from their positions by voters on Tuesday following a tough recall campaign that pitted Democrats against Democrats. 
as interlocking controversies over school closings and renamings fueled a well-funded backlash. The successful effort in one of the country's most liberal cities is likely to embolden Republicans who have channeled parent anger over school reopenings and mass mandates into a powerful wedge issue, including last fall in Virginia. For Democrats, especially those making decisions in blue states, the vote highlighted internal divisions over how to handle the pandemic as cases decline, but the threat of another surge looms. More than 70% of voters supported the recall of school board president Gabriela Lopez, Vice President Fuga Moliga, I hope I said that right, and Commissioner Allison Collins as of Wednesday morning. Oh, sorry, y'all, ad popped up. According to preliminary results from the San Francisco Department of Elections, their temporary replacements will be named by Mayor London Breed, a Democrat who is announcing her support for the recall last year, said the city um, was at a crossroads and called the board's priorities severely misplaced. The seeds of anger that led to the recall effort were planned early in the coronavirus pandemic when the board considered changing the names of as many 44 public schools in a city that is still grappling with how to safely reopen them. The decisions which became the subject of some head scratching in national media touched off angry confrontation between the city's liberal establishment and movement progressives. Though the battles in San Francisco were fine and the debate colored by distinctly local clashes, the successful recall campaign will be applauded by conservatives around the country who have made parents' rights a, a rallying, rallying cry as they seek to win over mainly suburban voters turned off by former Donald Trump, President Donald Trump. Republicans like New Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin and Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida, a potential 2024 candidate, presidential candidate, has sought to translate parent frustration over COVID-era mandates and a pol into political gain, a political tactic that is also overlapping, overlapping with wider right-wing campaign to sanitize or censor historical readings and teaching in schools across the country. Lord have mercy, that was a mouthful. Following the recall results, Maloga tweeted that it had been an honor serving on the board. Lopez and Collins have yet to make public statements. The voters in this city have delivered a clear message that the school board must focus on the essentials of delivering a well-run school system above all else. Bree said in a statement, San Francisco is a city that believes in the value of big ideas, but those ideas must be built on the foundation of a government that does the essentials well. The driving forces in the recall portend more difficult um, decisions among Democrats. During such a difficult time, the decisions we make for our children will have long-term impacts, Breed, the mayor wrote in a Facebook post explaining her support for the recall, which is why it is so important to have leadership that will tackle these challenges head on and not get distracted by unnecessary influences or political agendas. Go ahead, um, Oh, it's my turn. Oh, okay. I know how it's looking down. I'm sorry. Okay, so let's talk about how the media always gives you smoke and freaking mirrors. Now, they're going to talk that you notice they're not going into real detail about why this is happening. Exactly. 
They ain't giving you no. They're 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 giving you the whole. Oh, we failed our kids because now they're gonna give you the. We wanted kids back in school, and it took them too long to pull the trigger to get kids back in school, which was the safe thing to do. Let's just be clear. And they're upset that the school board took too long. Then they they're throwing out, and once the conservative right wingers got that in and they knew they, they were locked in on that, then they could get to the media, oh, they want to change the name of a whole lot of schools. Schools of people who are heralded but um, linked to racism and stuff like that, which falls right into the lap of the right ringers screaming CRT all around the country. But the real crux of a re of the real problem that a lot of people had in that area really be you is gonna be this is why I said I was gonna have a sugar spike. It had to do with the placement of kids in magnet schools. That's where it came from. And in one of the other articles that um that we couldn't pull up, the Asian population had an issue because um one of the selection processes by which students were selected to get into um, magnet schools made it a little more equitable and less of the Asian population was getting in as um, to some of these magnet schools as was getting in before. And so you had a lot more inclusion and in, in diversity in terms of the set of students that were getting in. But that's gotten lost all in the shuffle. They don't want to talk about that. They ain't really talking about anything. They just said, oh, these people got, you know, fired. And then they're going to throw out talking points. Now, here's the other issue. San Francisco is as blue as it comes. Let's just be clear. Which means this is the fight that I've been talking about where you have establishment Dems that have an issue with progressive Dems. That is where the crux of it, because those three people that got um, ousted are all progressive Dems. The president, the vice president, and another member. And these are people who were saying, we're not ready to go back to school. We're not ready to endanger the lives of these people. And they try to make it like these people couldn't chew gum and walk at the same time. They absolutely can do that. Oh, y'all were focused on the wrong things and not educating our children. Well, school boards are always focused on a whole lot of things at one time. That's the job of a school board. I mean, clearly, let's just be clear. Edu the first job of a school before it is to educate children is to keep them safe. That is the first job of the school. Before we can educate children, we must make sure that um, we ensure their safety. That's the first job. When you got a school board that's taking safety into consideration, when they're talking about, okay, we're not just quite ready. Think about the size of a San Francisco and probably the size of the schools in the classroom. And they probably said, listen, we're not really ready to pull the trigger and say, okay, we're just going to throw all these kids because that's sound judgment, but that makes too much sense. But so that was thrown out there that the renaming of the schools and all of this stuff was thrown out there as smoking mirrors. When what this really is, this is the progressives fighting against the establishment and the establishment Democrats saying, no, we need to establish dominance. 
and let you people know from the beginning what this is. And then the Asian population got behind it because there was a change. And these three people were a part of the change that said we need more diversity and we need more inclusion with regard to how students are placed in some of these magnet programs. And that's where it all started. But they don't want to talk about that because they, they dare make the Asians upset. Oh, no. They don't want no parts of that. I'm sorry. I went long, didn't I? No, you're fine. <laughs> no, you're fine because, again, you're right. The article did leave out some of those important issues. But, you know, it, anytime you have a recall on that level, you know that it's more to it than what they mentioned in that article. And the reality is, again, I, I feel like I feel like both political parties are in the middle of a civil war. Now, the question is going to be when it comes down to it, who sticks together and who doesn't. And we know who generally finds a way to stick together and who doesn't. But I think both political parties, you know, are, are in this, this, the, the Republicans are fighting over the Trumpers versus the, you know, traditional Republicans. But we know that on the Republican side, they'll stick together even if they don't agree just because it's Republican. Right. Um, Cam, I see your comment. What happened with that is that was a mis um that was a misinformation as well because they um school boards by law have to have um open meetings, but there's a certain number of open meetings. All of their meetings are not open. All of their and, and are not don't legally have to be open. However, they do in most, well, I should say in most states, what ends up happening is, and with regards, because I've been really looking at this um, case, what happened with regard to this state, there were some closed door and committee meetings that were not um, necessarily open. Um, and what happened is when you have those meetings, they do make the meeting minutes and um, what is transcribed at those meetings publicly available and they are on the usually on the agendas at all of the school board meetings um that they have it, it, it's a lot going on um in that case. it's a lot i really think and we really dig deep uh, really because i the reason that i find this interesting is because we've already seen instances of ousting of school board members in some red right. states right we've already started seen to see this stuff, I think that was what Missouri or Kansas, one of those two um, states that we saw it in. But when we start to see this kind of stuff in the bluest of blue areas, and now there's this whole oh, parents need more control, parents need more control, parents need more control. Um, you're starting to see a much more unison cry from both sides, which does not bode well. For where we're going with education it doesn't bode well at all because when you start to see um the establishment dims that are over here you know backing the republican um you know people that are saying oh take all let's just be clear really you know what they want to do take all control of everything that happens in the school out of the hands of the professionals and put it all in the hands of parents who honestly and frankly no disrespect to them, but don't know all that it is, entails with the education system and the education program. It'd be like telling parents, okay, you get to control what happens at the hospital. You get to control, um, you know, 
what does and does not get treated. That you know, it, that would sound idiotic, but at the same, in the same vein, we have to start to think of education that way because having someone improperly or um, improperly educated or not edified as they should leads to having people who grow up as adults and do not become productive members of society. And then we end up with a whole generation of people who are doing all kinds of nefarious things because they can't cognitively and critically think. I don't know. I just... Mm, mm. Well, you know, I know it may sound, you know, a little elitist. Um, It may sound a little arrogant. I don't know. But it absolutely is no... Like, again... Yes, your children come to school every day. And yes, you should have a say in certain things as far as like, you know, safety maybe. But as far as curriculum, no, you don't. I'm sorry. This isn't a democracy. This is about what you're, what, what we decide. When I say we, I don't mean me and you individually, but what educated people have decided is what your children need in order to be successful in life, which is the whole purpose of, of education. And education is not always about teaching them the A's and the B's. It's also about teaching them how, to, like giving them the knowledge that they can even have an intelligent conversation. And I mean, I'll tell you, you know what I'm talking about. You've been in situations where it's, it's not just about, oh, well, I know how to balance a checkbook or I know how to add and subtract or I can read a basic paragraph. But can you hold a conversation in a room full of people that can somehow weigh your future? Can you can you have the 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 and that's what I try to explain to my students. Can you have the intelligent conversations? And so for somebody to come into the and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call a spade a spade, but somebody to come in that does not have the same level of of not just education but understanding of what that looks like and say, well, I don't think we should be teaching beloved, beloved, because it's causing my child anxiety because it's making him feel bad about slavery. Have you read the book? Do you understand the themes of the book? Do you understand? And mind you, your child told you he didn't even read the goddamn book. He was just looking for a reason to get you to get all riled up. So you could go, and so that way he don't have to do the work. And you fell for the trap. You fell for it. You fell for it. I tell parents that all the time. You, your, your child's job is to come home and tell you a lie so that they can get out of it. Your job as parent is to be able to decipher through that and say, yeah, I ain't falling for that. Nah, that don't need to sound right. Nah, bro. Go on in there and get that done. Do you not? And I told this to a parent. You don't remember being a child. You don't remember the copious amount of lies that you fed your parents to get out of anything. Exactly. And so when, you know, and I, I say this all the time, I say it so much, I just get, I almost get sick of saying it, but I say this all the time. I remember when I first started teaching, and I know you make the jokes of how old I am, and that's fine. But I remember, when I, <laughs> I remember when I first started teaching, we were, teachers and parents were allies. And I taught in low income. I taught parents who hadn't graduated from high school. I taught parents who hadn't gone to college or hadn't graduated from college all the way up to parents who had PhDs, okay? So let's be clear, the school where I worked at it was a Title I school. Now, we did have um, special programs there. So we had kids that were from more affluent parts of the city. But I promise you, as a first-year teacher, I didn't teach them, okay? 
So it's not about the, and that's why I said this isn't about whether the parents are educated or not. It's about whether the parents trust us. And that's where the problem is. Somewhere in the last bloop, bloop, bloop amount of years that I've been teaching, that trust has disappeared. And politicians are honing in on the fact that parents no longer trust the school. And that is the problem. I mean, one of the problems. And I know for me, that has what's become very disheartening with what I do because I at least had the parent on my side. So now I'm fighting the teacher, I mean, the, the student, the parent, administration, school board. Like I'm fighting, everybody is coming at me and I have no allies in this, none. And that's the problem. Well, one of them. I'm, I'm looking really be, you probably gonna be mad. You forgot your banner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At the bottom, did you like to put up? I know you like to put that stuff up so people can find us. But, um... So funny, so funny. Wait a minute, Brazilian says, I apologize if I'm off the school board, at least mine seems to not have a clue either when it comes to making curricular decisions. And they may very well may, they may, they very well may not. But that goes back to what we always preach as well, is that local elections are just, are important, just as important, if not more important, than the national elections. Because when there's a school board election and and I've seen it cuz I've worked I've worked on campaigns here in my area and I've worked on school board campaigns and I see how the same people just get elected over and over and over again they don't even have to try really hard because there's a there's again there's a level of apathy in certain areas so they may not I don't know your and, area and, and here's another uh, aspect that you that you need to think about with regard to um school boards and so forth in a lot of cases, especially when you have elections for school board members, many of these people have no history or background in education. Thank I know God. in my own area, it wasn't until I want to say about 15 to 20 years ago that you really started to have members of the school board who had actually come from the classroom administration um, uh, and being a principal and stuff and work their way up to the school board. So when you're talking about people who sit on a school board and who is directly responsible for curriculums and what is decided um, to be a part of your child's curriculum, and these people don't have any amount of experience with regard to how classrooms go with regard to um curriculum mapping, structure, pedagogy, and all of that stuff, then you could have people who are clueless. 
But that doesn't mean that at that in um, school board administration building, there are very capable people because there are. There are people who have the um, who have terminal degrees in respective areas of that discipline, and they are setting um, curriculums and and um, and stuff like that. The problem is they still have to get it approved by by the school board, and if a school board member who does not have any history being in the school site coming from education, and all they're doing is is listening to a parent or listening to the parent constituency who also just have an agenda to, um, that they want to back up, then you can have a school board member who says, no, I'm going to vote for this because my friends put me in office and they elected me here and I'm going to do whatever they want me to do. Not knowing that what you could be voting for could be counter to what should actually be in place. And you see that kind of things a lot of times that you have people who might be district supervisor over um, social studies that are saying, hey, this is what we need. This is the curriculum only for the school board to say, no, nah, we're not doing that. I give you a perfect case in point. In the great state of Texas, governed by Governor Hot Wheels. Remember years ago when there was the whole situation where they were taking Darwinism and genetics out of the curriculum and all of those um, supervisors of science and district directors over science and secondary science, they were having whole meltdowns. Many of them ended up resigning because even though they recommended to their respective school districts, as well as Texas Education Association and the Department of Ed in Texas, what should be the basis of science curriculum, they said, no, we're going to play politics. We don't want that. The parents want creationism and not um, science and Darwinism. So that's what we're going to give them. And you, your child won't even have the option to do that. And that's how we end up um, in those kinds of places. So I don't want you to think that school, that people in schools are just clueless as to what's going on, because that's not the case. But unfortunately, we end up electing people to school boards that should not be there. Um, <clears throat> Cam says... How can you be responsible for something you have no knowledge of? But that's the thing. It's been happening. And I mean, there are even teachers who, I mean, there are even principals who are in charge of schools who never taught. There are superintendents who are in charge of whole school systems who may have been in a classroom for two years. Like it's, it's happening. Unfortunately, it's happening. Right. Exactly. What resilient the school board has become a stepping stone to mm -hmm. a political career. Most move on to city council, then run for some political office. Yeah, absolutely. But that's why, again, I, I, I just have to keep harping. The local elections are just as important, if not more important, than national elections. And it's for, the, it's for things like this. Your school board, your local city council. Like, you, when I say, again, I say you. Y'all know I'm talking you, like, generally speaking, not to anyone in particular. You have to be very mindful of who you are electing into these positions that will be making decisions for you on a ground level. You know, I teach for a very large urban district in the Midwest. Okay. So then we've probably talked about, <laughs> we get ready to move to a very large district in the Midwest in a moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, what is it? But I, I, this, this, this San Francisco recall is go listen, the the people on the right are looking at this like throwing meat at rabid dogs. 
oh, we can get this to go in San Francisco? That San Francisco? As blue as you get? Oh, we got this. Oh, this is in the bag. And we're going to start to see this attack on um, education. Well, I shouldn't say start to see. We've seen it for a while now. But it's going to become, um, it's going to be a fevered pitch because the Republican Party has made education one of their top tier talking points and agenda items for this election cycle. So you are about to see a real ramp up in what happens to in and about schools and school systems. And I'm very afraid for what's going to um, happen come um, once um, 2023 come and this new um, group of electorates are installed and, you know, into their respective seats. I'm very afraid of what's about to come. Um. All right. Well, let's. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and move into the. Well, before I before I go forward, um, last week tonight with John Oliver, which is actually one of my favorite shows, um, season premiere was last night, and the whole episode was about critical race theory. We know that John Oliver knows how to break stuff down, um, so that the people in the back can understand it. So if you have HBO, y'all go and check it out. It was really. They also usually put it on um. His premiere stories, um, if you follow him on YouTube, they always put the full un um, unedited version on their YouTube channel for free. So you can get it that way too. So you can um, subscribe to Last Week Tonight on YouTube, even if you don't have HBO. And you can probably see it. Okay. If you drop today, it'll probably drop like um, in another day or so. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So wait about another day or two and you guys can catch it. Or but you might can check. You might check today and it might already be up it may there. Be, it may fact, be. I'll, I'll look right now while I'm Yeah. If anybody waiting. who is listening to this either in the replay or catching it on the first first run, I'm telling you, go and check it out because again, John Oliver just has a really, really great way of breaking things down. As anybody who had a question about critical race theory, even though we've been talking about it for a year, but <laughs> if you have a question, if you don't understand, if you need to see it down, he breaks it. Yeah, exactly, Volvo. He breaks it down like a fraction. He absolutely does. So any questions or misunderstandings? Oh, it's already up. I'll post it. It's already the link. up. Okay. Put the I'll link in the chat. Because again, it is really, really good. Okay. Before, So I just wanted to say that before I forgot. We're going to move on to the next. The next article, you guys. So, and thank you, Resilient, for being here. Thank you for being a teacher. I we we appreciate you. Um, okay. Oh, um, here's one that's gonna. Is this the one that's gonna make El Teddy have a sugar spike? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, San Francisco was my sugar spike. This is gonna be your sugar spike. Oh, wait a minute. Where is it? Ah, hold on, y'all. Oh. I got to add this link. Because did I send it to you or you sent it to me? I don't know. Okay, hold on. I'm going to find it. Give me two seconds. Two seconds. Two seconds. Here it is right here. Okay. I'll have to add this to the link. For some reason, it's not in there. It should be. Oh, there it is right there. Dang, Nabbit is right in my face the whole time. All right. So this is coming from the Hill. This is dated February 16th. School counselor. Um, for you, really. Okay, thanks. School counselor alerts black parents. Excuse me. Nope. 
School counselor alerts parents that they can opt out of Black History Month lessons. That's where the Black came from. Sorry. <sighs> a school counselor in Indiana sent a memo to parents telling them that they can opt their child out of Black History Month lessons. In honor of Black History Month and Valentine's Day, I will be coming around and teaching lessons related to equality. What the hell does Valentine's have? I'm sorry. I already have the chick. Let me finish. Let me I already have my sugar spike on this story. I'm just trying to figure Saturday. out what Valentine's Day has to do with this. I already went there. <laughs> Golly. I'll be coming around and teach, okay, about equality, caring, and understanding differences. The mem memo from Sabrinka Elementary School Counselor Benjamin White said, White pointed to studies that show that students who have a greater understanding of diversity in the classroom and outside world will demonstrate improved learning outcomes such as improved grades, better peer relationships, and greater career sex success later on. If you would like to opt your child out of receiving these lessons, then sign the form below and have, have your child return it to the school to give it to the teacher, he concluded. Brown County School Superintendent Emily Tracy said in a statement obtained by NBC that officials were looking into the reported memo. Our district supports teaching about the facts in our history, including historical injustices. We are not and will continue to be, we are and will continue to be committed to having compassion for all and supporting an education community that will allow all students, staff, families, and community members the opportunity to feel welcome. The Hill reached out to White and Brown County school officials for comment. The incident comes amid nationwide debate about how and if children are taught about topics such as racial injustice, critical, oh God, critical race theory, and LGBTQ issues in schools. Several state legislatures and school districts have passed or are considering measures to ban certain books dealing with race, sexuality, and gender um, identity in school libraries. Let me read this note. Before I go further, there was a correction to this article, so let me read that. The statement from Brown County School Superintendent Emily Tracy said the school district supports teaching about the facts in our history, including historical injustices. An earlier version of the story included incorrect information. So I wanted to make sure I read the update, the corrected, whatever the, the update was, the, the caveat to it. Um. As someone who teaches history, right? This is what I do. This is my job, right? As someone who teaches history, my question to everyone is, if students can opt out of Black history, can they also opt out of white history? I mean, if that's what we're doing, if that's how we're breaking it down, if that's how we're going to separate it out, if I can opt out of Black history, can I opt out of white history too? Latino history, Native American history, Asian American history. Can I opt out of all that shit? Excuse my language. And I said, what in the Wakanda? First of all, let's start from the beginning. Why is the counselor going classroom oh. by classroom? Oh, I got an answer for you on that. Okay, give me because that. Because 
the counselor is the only one <laughs> that they allow to come around and that will be allowed to teach it because they have told him specifically where he can and where he cannot go and what he can excuse me and what he cannot teach with regard to this so they ain't gonna let the regular teachers do it for fear that they don't know that they're gonna teach if they're gonna teach CRT or not. Right. I'm like, how in the hizzle? Why is the school counselor mm. going room to room to room teaching mm. a lesson on equality, compatibility, yada yada yada, boo 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 boo? I'm not understanding that to begin with. Like, it's bad enough that y'all act like the only time y'all can talk about black people and black shit is during February already. But can we at least get the whole 28 days? I mean, damn. We only gonna get one or two days where the counselor has time to come around and give us a 30-minute, you know, good job attaboy. Martin Luther King gave a speech. Wow. Y'all, I read that and I was so upset. I was so upset. No, I did not see what Michelle Tafoya said on Fox News. What did give me the breakdown, um, Vovo? What's she saying? Because you know Michelle Tafoya is problematic too, but we ain't gonna go there. She sure is. Um, she was talking about my frat brother, and I almost had a damn sugar spike then. Oh, with Ka Colin Kaepernick. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, opt out of hi history, literature, right? And I'm just like, so this is what we're doing now. Like, this is the first of all. Like I said, I was more upset that the school counselor was going classroom to classroom and giving lessons. I was more upset that we blended Black History Month with Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. What the hell does Black History Month have to do with Valentine's Day? I'm sorry. Valentine's Day is a made-up holiday to make people spend money. Black History Month is just that. It is history. It is real. It is important. It is factual. What does one have anything to do with the other and why aren't the history teachers at this school teaching it yeah i'm just not gonna mm. i'm I, I i spiked out on this story and the fact that vovo brought up michelle tafoya might make me spike out again because what she said kind of enraged me and so i'm <laughs> But this is par oh. for the point. Because watch this. At least, here's the solace that we have to take in this. At least there was the option to teach black history. In a whole lot of places now, try it if you want to. Try it if you want to. So here's what Michelle Tafoya said, El Teddy. Oh, I'm going to read it. You are, I, 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 these are things, this was already on one of my politics of it all agenda. But if you want, well, he put said, it, and I quote, let's acknowledge it. She said, and I quote, when she was asked about my frat brother, you can't have everything your way in life. You work your way around and through the obstacles. If he really, really wanted, the one thing he wanted, Megan, in this life was to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. 
he'd be one right now, given that he had the talent. But he made some business decisions, and I think he knew what he was risking. And I think that there are legitimate complaints about race in the NFL and everywhere else in America. But that's not why Colin Kaepernick is not in the NFL. Well, this is what she said that Volvo said. My son's first best friend was a little African-American boy. They were inseparable. Get to a certain age and they start having what's called an affinity group, which means you go for lunch and pizza with people who look like you. At kids in school, there's a big, big focus on the color of your skin. And my children, why are we even teaching that the color of the skin matters. Because to me, what matters is your character and your values. So the teachers in Puerto Rico. Right. We <laughs> all about to spike out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll save that for the politics of it all. Mm -hmm. We're going to do that. Because... Mm -hmm. Okay. The teachers in Puerto Rico are, are protesting. This is coming from Left Voice. This is dated February the 15th. Um, with inflation continuing to rise, I'm sorry, this is called from Puerto Rico to Minnesota, teachers are rising up again. With inflation continuing to rise, contract struggles and particularly among public sector unions could become increasingly militant at workers as workers look to regain lost wages. Already, teachers in Puerto Rico and Minnesota are leading the way with strikes, strike votes, and demonstrations. In the last two weeks, in both Puerto Rico and Minnesota have taken, excuse me, teachers in both Puerto Rico and Minnesota have taken to the streets. Though separated by thousands of miles and temperature differences of about 60 degrees, their demands are in many ways very similar. Like the teachers who went on strike in 2018, they are marching for better pay, better benefits, and greater funding for schools. However, these struggles are taking place in a period very different from 2018. The pre-pandemic strike wave was driven by decades of austerity and rising rank and file militancy born of frustration with do-nothing labor bureaucrats. The pandemic has since galvanized workers even more, especially since rapidly rising inflation has significantly chipped away at an already historically low wages. As contrast expires, it is quite likely we will see more militant labor actions in cityocracy, cities across, I don't know if that's a typo, cities across the country. More workers, particularly public union workers, face a state budget crunch, face state budget crunches, are likely to take up the fight to protect themselves and their communities and to regain what they have lost to inflation and decades of underfunding of public services. In Puerto Rico, this is already happening. Tens of thousands of public school teachers and thousands of other public workers have been taking part in ongoing strikes and demonstrations in cities across the island. These workers are fighting against cuts to their retirement plans that would force some to work many years longer before qualifying for full retirement, demanding a significant increase to their abysmally low pay and calling for an end to the most recent debt repayment deal negotiated with U.S. creditors, which would declamate the territory's public finances. Puerto Rican teachers currently make only $1,700 a month and have not received a raise in more than a decade. Good God. Jesus. 
This is far less than what is needed to survive on the island, and many teachers are forced to take second or third jobs to get by. Thanks in part to these demonstrations, the governor has promised to at least temporarily increase that wage to $2,700, still $800 less than the $3,500 minimum per month unions were demanding. These teachers have been joined by other public sector employees, as well as restaurant workers who are also calling for better working conditions and higher wages, a trend that could spread as demonstrations and strikes continue. Ooh. Meanwhile, hundreds of teachers from two Minnesota school districts, St. Paul and Minneapolis, defied the bitter cold on Saturday and rallied to demand smaller classrooms, safer workplaces, expanded student services, and higher wages. In Minneapolis, members of the Minneapolis Federation of Teachers began voting on a strike authorization plan on Monday, and St. Paul teachers are expected to begin voting on a similar resolution on Thursday. While a strike authorization would not lend to a strike immediately, it might lay the groundwork for strikes in the two biggest school districts in Minnesota. In a city racked by several recent episodes of racist police violence, including the killings of George Floyd and Amir Locke, Educators are also calling for more mental health resources for their students. As one teacher explained, students in Minneapolis and St. Paul have been in the epicenter of a global social justice movement, and they deal with COVID-19. I don't think that people understand the stress that they, the stresses that they've been under when they're still attempting to learn. Such demands for smaller classes and improved student services were a hallmark of many of the teacher strikes in both 2012 and 2018 showing the degree to which struggles around wages and benefits for public service workers can be considered strikes as an offensive measure. Sorry. For decades, public service workers have tended to put the vast outreach, the vast portion of their energies into lobbying their state legislatures, wasting hundreds of millions of dollars due um, in outreach and get out the vote campaign for Democratic politicians. Even, a, even as union budgets continue to shrink each year. Breaking free of that trap will not be easy, but these actions alongside rising inflation point toward the possibility of a new wave of public sector worker struggles. To win these battles will require the involvement of rank and file teachers and workers across all sectors, as well as the participation of the students and communities that they serve. Only by linking these coming struggles with the broader needs of the working people and the poor can they truly succeed. This will also require a continued and relentless confrontation with the misleaders of the labor bureaucracies who will inevitably, excuse me, invariably seek out compromise and labor peace and will attempt to hold back and undermine the most militant actions and tactics of the rank and file. Building a truly fighting labor union movement, golly, will not be easy, but the coming battles may very well often uh, offer an opportunity to do just that. Here's my um, concern. Now, the, the situation in Puerto Rico is stupefying. Like, I can't... There's no explanation in, as to why and how any of that, even what um, Karen Alexander... Hey, Karen in the um, comment section that you have educators, people who have degrees making $25,000 a year, much less, you're talking about making $1,700 a month? A month. 
A month. Y'all wonder why we can't pay back our student loans. Child by. It that is that's disrespectful. Okay. That's you got do you know you can make more working at Chick-fil-A full time. Listen, you got some of their own students making more than them while they're in school. Make it make sense. Now, with the Minnesota situation, you notice really being that there's this concerted agenda by a lot of states um, to remove mental health resources out of school systems. Remember, we talked about Texas, how they were removing all of the um, LGBTQIA mental health resources. Mm -hmm. Now we have the school board in Minneapolis and um, St. Paul that are asking for um, students of color and other marginalized groups of students to have access to more mental resources because in light of all of the foolishness that they got going on down there to the great state of Minnesota, and yet they're not giving that. Do you know how much I wish when I was in school, there was, you know, access, I'm not saying that there was zero access to mental health, but it certainly wasn't something that was talked about. So you're not muted. In case you start looking for it. You're not muted. You weren't mute. I was saying you're not muted. <laughs> but um, um, I wish that we had access when I was in, well, not that there was none, but I wish there was more access to mental health resources. I wish it was something that was um, publicized and advertised and promoted. And the problem is you know, first of all, as an as a regular cisgendered heterosexual adolescent, even if you're white, cisgendered heterosexual, just going through puberty and teenage years alone is enough to make you want to lose it sometimes. Okay. And so if you add some of the other things that is now going on um in, in schools and with kids. God, there is more need for it there than any than a whole lot of other places. Okay. And you mean that the children to which we have stated that we care so much about and whose job it is of us to protect, they're not even given access to things that could help them mentally, because it's been proven that your mental health is just as important as your physical health. And so now you wonder why there's an uptick of school shootings. That And it ain't grown people that's doing a lot of these things. It's the students doing these things. But you don't want to provide people with mental health resources. Like, make it make sense. And then these very same mentally unstable students become 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds who go to Washington, D.C. and have whole terrorist attacks on the United States Capitol. That's what happens. Facts on facts. So real quick before we get ready to wrap this up, I do want to acknowledge the comment that Resilient wrote, which is very disheartening to me. I was wondering why in my district we had this big push for Love Week. We basically overlooked celebrating Black History Month. Our leadership is Black and the majority of our students are as well. That is very disheartening. 
Did you do your your job, ma'am? What you were supposed to do? Speaking I did. Of that, no, did no, oh, okay. wait, whoa, wait a minute. Wait oh, yeah, you did. You already had, because I knew that you would have it. <laughs> so, as we like to do, we like to keep you guys to an hour, but we do. We're a little over our hour, but we do want to acknowledge, we're going to acknowledge Black History Month. You're um, and we actually are going to still try to work on getting you guys a Black History show. We've done it in the past where everything is focused on, you know, education and black history. But I did want to just um, highlight um, a very famous, great educator, um, Nanny Helen Burroughs. So Nanny Helen Burroughs was born in May of 1879. Uh, she died in May of 1961. As a black educator, orator, religious leader, civil rights activist, feminist, and businesswoman in the United States, her speech, How the Sisters Are Hindered from Helping, at the 1900 National Baptist Convention in Virginia, instantly won her fame and recognition in 1909. She founded the National Training School for Women and Girls in Washington, D.C. Burroughs' objective was at the point of intersection between races and gender. She fought both for equal rights and races as well as further opportunities for women beyond the simple duties of domestic housework. She continued to work there until her death in 1961, in 1964, it was renamed the Nanny Helen Burrow School. In her honor, she began operating. It began operating as a co-ed elementary school. And actually, my uh, cousin went to Nanny Helen Burrow. It's, it's, it's here in DC. It's still open to this day, and it still um, educates many, many, many uh, inner inner city black kids here in DC. Well, everybody, but you know, mainly black kids. Um, if you guys want to go on um, again. And read more about her. I'm just giving y'all a little taste. I'm giving y'all a little taste. But please go and um, do more and read more about her. Maybe we can add her to our list. Um, we're going to go in deep, de deeper. But Nanny Helen Burroughs, um, she's made a great impact definitely here in D.C. She opened up a school for, for colored women at a time when not just um, colored people did not have access to a lot of education, but certainly not women. And her curriculum was not just based in cooking, cleaning, and taking care of a man. It was it was based in giving the same level of curriculum that, you know, white kids were getting and male students were getting. So we want to just throw that out and honor her. Um, I know, El Teddy, you're getting ready to do a members only live over on your channel at about 530? At 4.30. 4.30, okay. So El Teddy, if you guys are not a member, y'all going over there and join El Teddy's membership because I'm sure he got some things to talk about. Now oh. remember... El Teddy on his channel is different, but y'all go check El Teddy out. He wants to check right. If I'm you sure are a member, go see the community wall or right. go see the post. You want to be there. Okay, the I'm sure he got some things to talk about. Um, I, I have not decided if I'm going live or not to this evening, but it'll definitely be after El Teddy finishes his live. So um, just be on the lookout for a notification on my wall. Um, we will be doing a book club on my backup, my other channel, really BTV underscore one. We will be doing our book club meeting tomorrow. Um, because I get off work early tomorrow, so it'll be easier for me to do double, double duty tomorrow. I know I don't have the bandwidth to do triple duty today, so I can't do book club and do another live. So, um, but y'all let me know. Um, and you guys, thank you guys for being here as always. Please make sure that you have like, comment, subscribe, share with your friends, tell a friend to tell a kin, 
Um, like I said, I've done some things over on the channel. We have our playlist set up. I've done a few little odds and ends with the with the description and some. Um, oh, Cam said he'll be expecting me to be live. <laughs> Cam, okay, Cam. Cam, you might want to come. To, well, the members. Of, mm, Cam. Anyway, the members only live. We're going to get out of here so El Teddy can get ready. But thank yeah. you, El Teddy. Final words. I will shut up. Final words, y'all. Let's just let's just be vigilant, okay? We know that there's a lot of things going on, and we try to keep you um, ahead of the curve. I did put that link to the video that really be uh, was talking about with regard to critical race theory in the chat. Um, so if you scroll back up, you can um, you can um, find that um, in the chat. Um, hopefully, really be will pin it to the. Um, to the um description box y'all we're here we ain't going nowhere we we got a whole lot to talk about um uh, we're going to work on getting you all more um voices and people to come up and um you know talk about these things with us yeah. so y'all don't think that we just crazy and we doing it you know just we, we will just absolutely, we will absolutely um open up to the people um we are working on some things over here. Like I said, the, this goal this year is to get us monetized so that we can definitely speak to more people. Monetized means that we just have over a thousand subscribers. So we want to just get more people in the room to hear what we have to say. But listen, we're going to say, listen, whether it's five people in the room or 500 people in the room, you're going to get the same information. I said I was going to shut up, didn't I? I'm sorry. <laughs> Y'all, my members, meet me over there in 14 minutes. 14 minutes. We'll be over there. Doing the Bye. thing. Bye, y'all.